Bessie Coleman was the first woman of African-American descent and also the first woman of Native American descent to hold a pilot's license. This plane that, they're, that they were taught using, they were known to stall in midair all the time. And in fact, when she's in class, one of her classmates is in the plane and they're watching and the plane stalls and it crashes and her classmate dies. And later on, she mm, yeah. And later on, she comments on it, and she's like, "Well, it shook up my nerves, but I didn't lose my nerve." <laughs> I thought, "Oh my god, I would have run screaming." When she gets back, she might have been a bit of a media sensation, but there's no way to make money. There's no commercial airline industry, so she might be a pilot, but she can't go to war. She get there's no way for her to make money. So she realizes she needs to become what's called a barnstorming flyer. And these are those really dangerous stunt flying. Hi, guys. Welcome to Broads You Should Know, the podcast about amazing and noteworthy women in history. I'm Sam Eggers. I'm Sarah Gorski. And I'm Justin Xavier. And today I'm going to talk to you guys about Bessie Coleman. Bessie Coleman. Yeah. Have you guys heard of her? I have heard of her, but I don't know the whole story. Oh, get ready. Pick up your panties. This is going to be great. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Bessie Coleman was the first woman of African-American descent and also the first woman of Native American descent to hold a pilot's license. What? Oh, that's cool. Exactly. She's pretty badass. I have to give a shout out to uh, my friend uh, Alexandra who sent me the article about Bessie Coleman because I am sort of ashamed to say I didn't know about her and she sent me this article and I thought it was really cool and so that's why I picked her today and so to our readers if you are readers I always say that no one's reading this Samantha (laughs) no one is reading I mean, maybe they're reading the description that I write. I mean, I'd like to hope that maybe someone reads those. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get started. We're going to dive right into her. Okay, so Bessie uh, was born uh, January 26th, 1892 in Atlanta, Texas, which I looked up because I thought, is that a real place? It is. It's in northeastern (laughs) Texas. Um, uh, She was born to a family of sharecroppers, and she was the 10th of 13 children. Oh, sweet Jesus. Mm -hmm. Oh, Um, sweet Jesus. Jesus. 13? 13. Too many. Her mom was Um, pregnant her whole life. (laughs) Whole life. Just nonstop. Oh my God. Um, So, uh, but only nine of those survived childhood. So she grew Mm. up in a big family. Um, And uh, so, you know, this is uh, not a a very well-to-do area of Texas. It's very poor. She had to walk four miles to a one-room schoolhouse. And, of course, this was segregated because this is 1892 in Texas. Um, And that's where she went to get her education. She really loved school. Um, But uh, in 1901, when she's – so she's nine, her dad leaves Texas. So her father is half black and half Cherokee. And there's tons of discrimination in Texas against Native Americans as well as against black people. And so it's too much. He can't stand it anymore. So he leaves and he goes back to Oklahoma. And so... It can't be much better. Slightly, slightly less racist (laughs) Oklahoma? (laughs) Well, I thought maybe that's where his... Maybe like he's going to reservation or maybe Mm. he's going... You know what I mean? That was the only thing I could think of. And they didn't have... I couldn't find any other information on it because I wasn't sure why the mom and the kids didn't go. 
because I can't imagine the mom was eager to be stuck with those nine kids by herself right. in Texas. Right. And, um, and they didn't go with. No, so they stayed behind, and the dad's, he's out of the picture. And she, well, she wasn't half Cherokee, the mom. No, uh, no. As far as I can tell, the mom was not. Um, hmm. so I believe, but the dad was half black, half Cherokee. Interesting. Maybe if he did go to a reservation, like, none of them were allowed. Or, or maybe just she wasn't yeah, allowed. Yeah, maybe not. Interesting. Yeah, I wonder if the family would have been allowed or why, or, or maybe the, the marriage was bad. And so this was kind of like a way, you know, in, in, in a way to get out of it. Hmm. I'm not yeah. sure. But so, so of course now the family, it's just the mom and the nine kids. And, you know, oh this my is God. 1901. It's, it's not easy to make money. So the family's poor. And of course the mom's struggling, but um, Bessie really loves school. And she really, really, really wants to go to college. Oh, and so I know. And so she becomes a laundress and she's saving everything she can because she wants to go to school eventually. And so she graduates high school. And at this point, she has saved enough to attend the Colored Agricultural and Normal University, which I think is the weirdest fucking name. I have no idea why it's called that. Um, but uh, it is what is now today Langston University. And this is in Oklahoma. Um, and so she goes, but she can only afford one semester. And oh my God, Bessie! Oh. All that laundry money. And so she has to go back to Texas. She has; she's completely out of money. No one, no one can support her. So after mm-hmm. one semester, she leaves. She goes back to Texas, and she gets back to Texas, and she's like, I mean, the area is really depressed. There is no opportunity there for her. Like, what's she gonna do? So mm-hmm. finally, at twenty-three. Her brothers decide they're getting the fuck out of Texas and they're going to Chicago where stuff is happening, where there's Hell no opportunity. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's a, that's a Chicago girl's... Represent. Yeah, I'm a Chicago girl, so I'm always going to root Chicago. <laughs> um, and so Bessie's like, well, if you guys are going, I'm going. And so she gets the fuck out of Dodge and she goes to Chicago and she goes to beauty school there and she becomes a manicurist. Hmm. And I didn't even know there were manicurists in like at the, at the turn of the century, I feel I, like I, there's been manicures from the beginning of time. They just weren't well documented. Probably, like. it's got to be a pretty ancient tradition. Yeah, we all miss them though. In lockdown, we miss our manicurists. Oh my god, that's the truth. These talons over here. Yeah, I've been doing my own, but I'm pretty. I'm pretty bad at it. <laughs> I've just given up and let nature take its course. <laughs> it's, it's not pretty. Um, oh, really, really quickly, I just decided to look up manicurists. Uh, manicurists began 5,000 years ago in India when henna was used as nail polish. Holy shit. And actually, it says the popular practice eventually moved to China where Shishi, oh, the dowager oh, empress, was known for her... She's she's the first thing that comes up when you type in manicure history. Of course she loved getting manicures. Oh. She loved getting them. <laughs> she she she's still our most downloads to date, I think. Yeah, it's episode 1. She's such a badass. Sense. I still think about her all the time, Sam. She Do was you? I'm broad. so glad. I think about her a lot too. Yeah, she's awesome. Um Anyway, manicure. Anyway, so from she she to Bessie Coleman. Um <laughs> uh, Bessie is working. She gets a job at the White Sox Barbershop. So Chicago. So Chicago. That is the most <laughs> Chicago she could have been. She could be. Truly. Exactly. <laughs> and um, 
while she's there, this is the time when uh, World War One is is happening and just ending. And so pilots are coming back from World War One, and they're sort of regaling tales of what their experience is. And um, you also have to remember, this is when newsreels are first entering the public life. So mm. people can go and see footage of planes flying, and it's really daring and adventure. And so she's getting exposed to this and is just so jazzed by it. She thinks it's the coolest fucking thing. So she's like, you know what? I think I should become a pilot. And everyone's like, okay, you're a woman. You're not going to be a pilot. You're a black woman. You're not going to be a pilot. And you're a Native American woman. This is not happening. Like, get out Rude. of town. Complete, yeah. Rude. Like, everyone's shooting Fuck those people. Totally. Fuck those people. And so there's no U.S. flight school that will admit women, um, especially black women. So at this time, there's a guy named Robert Abbott, and he is uh, the founder of this newspaper called the Chicago Defender. And this paper ends up having the highest circulation of any black-owned newspaper. So he's a big deal in Chicago. And he thinks this is really cool that she wants to do it. And so he publishes her aspirations in his newspaper. You know, Chicago Defender was one of the papers that Ida Wells worked for. One of our broads a couple weeks ago. Get out. Good she old wrote Ida. for them. I love it. Her and her husband, her husband too, I think maybe owned a paper. Then this might, was, was his name Robert Abbott? Uh, no, I don't think oh, so. Okay. Well, anyway. He was connected to it. Anyway. That's so cool. And so they publish it in the newspaper and then the newspaper decides they want to help her go to Europe because uh, in Europe, women can go to flight school. And so they decide they're going to help her get there. And so... Not only does the paper help her, but there is also this banker named Jesse Binga, and he uh, was the founder of the first privately owned black bank in Chicago, and he has a lot of money. And he also decides he's going to financially support her, which is pretty cool. So these two, yeah. these two rich Chicago guys, they end up backing her, and they pay for her to learn French, and they get her pay for her trip, and send her. And on November twentieth, nineteen twenty, she hightails it to Paris. And she ends up enrolling in um, in flight school there. And yeah, Bessie. Um, right now, the thing is, when she gets there, she's still the only non-white person in her class. Naturally, um, yeah. So, she, like, so I just wonder what these like French students thought when this black American woman shows up and is like, "Hi, I'm here to learn to fly," and they're just—I just think it's so cool. Um, Whenever I think about the French, though, I just imagine, like, people just drunk all day, like, with bottles of wine, <laughs> like, empty bottles of wine all over their kitchen, and that's kind just of what... Hopefully not in flight school. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> it is. They were at least smoking, if nothing else. They were smoking while flying. Right. Oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Um, so, she, while she's there, she learns to fly what's called a Newport 564 biplane. And so, these are the planes, the old-timey planes that you see that, like, Amelia Earhart flew or Leonardo DiCaprio flew in Aviator. You know, it just looks <laughs> like, why would anybody get in this thing? It's, you know, it's insane. You're completely exposed. Um, and so, and they were pretty dangerous. So uh, this plane that they're that they were taught using, they were known to stall in midair all the time. And in fact, when she's in class, one of her classmates is in the plane and they're watching, and the plane stalls and it crashes, and her classmate dies. And later on, she oh, yeah. And later on, she comments on it, and she's like, "Well, it shook up my nerves, but I didn't lose my nerve." <laughs> I thought, "Oh my god, I would have run screaming." 
but so anyway, she finishes, and on June 15, 1921, she is a official licensed pilot from the Fédération Aeronautique Internationale, and she loves it so much, she stays in Paris a little longer to study with one of like these ace French pilots, and when she returns to America, she's a complete media sensation. They're like, oh, the aviatrix, and it's so cute. If you look at pictures of her, she looks like a like a, a movie star she's just like Aha! she's so pretty and so cute in her little pilot outfit and so she's like a celeb because she's the only like non-white woman who's done that right yeah I think that she's um, they're just like I, I think people kind of can't believe it and um unfortunately at this time though when she gets back she might have been a bit of a media sensation but there's no way to make money it's not like she can there's no commercial airline industry so she might be a pilot, but she can't go to war. She can't, There's no way for her to make money. So um, she realizes she needs to become what's called a barnstorming flyer. And these are those really dangerous stunt flying. She needs to mm. learn how to do this. So, of course, no one in Chicago, no one in the U.S. would teach her. So she has to go to Ugh. Europe again. And so Ugh. she goes to the Netherlands and France and Germany. And she gets people to teach her this really crazy, dangerous stunt flying. And um, she comes back to the U.S. and she's like, I'm going to launch my stunt flying career. And for like five years, she really she really does launch this career. She's known as Queen Bess. And yes. she draws, right? I love that, Queen Bess. The first, she's like name. the first Queen Bee, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so she's really drawing crowds with her, with her style. People say she has like a really flamboyant style. She's a good, she's a good show person. Um, and that she's mm. also getting this reputation as being a really scared pilot and who's really daring and really brave. Um, and like, for example, in Los Angeles, she broke a leg and three libs, li uh, ribs because her plane stalls and crashes. Um, oh! but she's like, she's like, oh, I survived. Ooh. I injured myself. I'm going to keep doing it. Which is oh my god! People are crazy. I, I she's don't know unstoppable. How. She's just gonna keep going, and um, she also really getting a good sense of her. Yeah, I feel like. And she also um, was she absolutely refused to participate in these aviation events that prohibited the attendance of African Americans, or and she also mm. um, spoke to audiences around the country about the pursuit of aviation and goals for the black community. And it was her dream to start a black flight school. That was she was what she really wanted to do. Oh, nice. And, yes. um, and Did she, she do even, it. You'll have to wait and see. I can't so. wait, Sam. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm so impatient. Um, and she's even offered a movie role in a movie called Shadow and Sunshine. Um, but Ooh. she ends up backing out because once she gets involved, she thinks it promotes a derogatory image of blacks. And so she's like, I'm out of here. This is not happening. Fuck no. Yeah. Wow. I'm misrepresenting. Wow. Good for her. Yes. Yeah. Probably yeah, a Bessie. tough choice to make. But I mean, maybe not if you're like a self-starter who went and became a pilot. Yeah. And the, but turning down a movie role and success like that is says something. Well, and I think that um, the thing that sort of uh, keeps coming back is that she needs, like, she makes she makes a living, but it's not like she's rich, and she needs the money. She wants to start this flight school, and on top of that, she doesn't have her own plane. So to go to all of these aviation events where she's flying stunt planes, these are like army surplus planes, like retired military planes, and um, she wants her own plane, and she also wants does to start work, the how school. Does it, does it work like NASCAR? Do like people sponsor her and they like pay for her plane? That's a good question. I don't know. I wasn't sure if maybe they got there and it was just like you rent, like there was a cut, you know, where like you had to pay for uh, renting the plane or I, I wasn't sure what, 
what the arrangement is with that. Hmm. But I maybe, and I think maybe some pilots did have their own planes that did these stunt flying, but she, she did not have hers. Hmm. And, um, so she needs the money for the, for the plane. She needs the money for the flight school she wants to start. So she ends up randomly opening a beauty shop in Orlando, Florida to earn extra money. Well, she still got the manicure skills. Exactly. Those 5,000 year old manicure skills. <laughs> Might as well put them to use. And so, so she's spending more time in Florida now. And this is uh, April 30th, 1926. She's in Jacksonville, Florida. And she'd saved up enough money from, the, from her manicure barbershop salon and from flying. And she purchases a what's a, called a Curtis JN4 plane. And they call it a Jenny. And so this plane is in Texas and it has to get to her. And so her mechanic, who's also her publicity agent, he's like this 24-year-old kid, he flies... <laughs> He flies the plane for, for her from Texas. Her mechanic and her publicity agent. On his business card, publicity agent <laughs> and mechanic. That's when you know money's tight. When you're mechanic and publicity agent, like, you know. <laughs> that dude's making it work. Yeah. He's making it work. <laughs> <laughs> and so when he flies the plane from Dallas, uh, he realizes something's wrong with this plane. And he has to mm. make three forced landings. Three landings. Because the plane, they realize, has been really poorly maintained and it's not in good oh. condition. And so it gets to Florida and everybody is like, well, this you're not going to fly in this plane. Like, this plane has serious problems. But um, Bessie, the next day, is supposed to use it in an air show. And she's supposed oh. to do a trick where she gets in the plane and then she parachutes out. So she's like, you know, you flew, her, you know, he flew from Dallas, we'll make it work. So they, they go up in the plane, and it's uh, her mechanic is flying, and she's in sort of that secondary area. And normally when you're in a plane, you're strapped in, you know, mm -hmm. because they're mm -hmm. doing stunts. But um, she's not strapped in because she's trying to look at what is called the cockpit sill to look at the Brendans. I don't know what any of the hell that means. <laughs> <laughs> she wants to look at the whirly gig and make sure it's connected to the putt-putt. I don't know. So she's, she's doing that. And unfortunately, the plane goes into a dive. And, and then it starts to spin. No. And they're about 3,000 feet above ground. And Oh, my God. Uh, so she is thrown from the plane. <gasps> and, uh, of course, it's that she she dies instantly when she hits the ground wait and her parachute she didn't have a parachute on no what wasn't she gonna dive out of, what this makes no sense to me <laughs> i know well it was she was planning on doing that the next day so she was just making sure things oh. were working oh, correctly oh no oh she was checking the giggly goos on the exactly turp alert yes and so <laughs> she's thrown and then oh. her mechanic he can't this is terrible he can't get control of the plane and the it hits uh, hits the ground, bursts into flames, and then and oh. he of course dies as well. And um, later oh, on, when they look at the no. wreckage of the plane, this makes me so mad. When they look at the wreckage of the plane, they can see that a wrench was left in the engine, and it jammed some of the controls. And I'm just like, how? Uh, like, it just it's so preventable. Uh. I'm like having trouble understanding though how a mechanic would get into a plane without looking at the engine. Right, it's very weird. <laughs> it's like this is a weird, this is a weird situation. Maybe it was somewhere that it was like it had been lodged and they couldn't see it. Like, or it was uh, sabotage. Yeah, oh maybe God, it was sabotage. sabotage. <gasps> Justin, write the script. <laughs> this would make an amazing movie, I think. Yes. Oh, I think yeah. her life would be a great movie. It'd be so it I don't think be. there's a I don't think there's a movie out there about her yet. 
Not that I've heard of. Okay, Justin, get to work, okay? All right, Start I'm going to get on, on it. <laughs> that's my, my next screenplay. They just... Um, oh, that's so tragic. So she never made her school. She didn't make her school. But, um, so unfortunately, there's not a ton of mention in most media. However, um, her death is uh, very, very well mentioned and, and known about in the black community and in the black press. And 10,000 mourners attended her ceremony in Chicago, which were led by Whoa. activist Ida B. Wells. Oh, wow. Ida! Yeah. Of course, they must have known each other. They, they must, must have. have. Yeah, there's too. That's too many connections with the paper, and mm-hmm. then yeah. Mm-hmm. So she did not get to establish the school for young black aviators, but um, she was really inspirational to uh, a lot of black men and women. And so Lieutenant William J. Powell, who wrote this book Black Wings in 1934, um, he said, "Because of Bessie Coleman, we have overcome that which was worse than racial barriers." We have overcome the barriers within ourselves and dared to dream. Oh, that's a great quote. That's amazing. Yes, and he also founded the Bessie Coleman Arrow Club in 1929. And um, which is another another great thing is that every year on the anniversary of her death, April 30th, apparently black pilots honor her by performing a flyover over her grave at Lincoln Cemetery in Chicago, oh. which is... Wow. is so cool um and there's a library in chicago named after her and there are a bunch of roads at airports that are named after her so if you're like flying out of o'hare there's a bessie coleman road and even in like frankfurt international airport there's a bessie oh my gosh coleman i have to look it up next time i fly into o'hare <laughs> holy moly you totally should so <laughs> she's um she's also in the national aviation hall of fame and in the, the national women's hall of fame so she is she is well remembered for for her her incredible contribution to aviation. Wow. Yeah, it's like a real trailblazer. So that's Bessie Coleman, guys. Do you think she's abroad? Yes, 100%. Uh, yes. Most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah, she gets like a 10 out of Living 10. Living by her own rules. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would never yeah. rank broads, but... Because the world told her she couldn't fly, and she fucking flew. Yeah. Fuck the world. She did it. Yep. But maybe she shouldn't have hired... A mechanic slash publicist. Maybe. <laughs> it makes right. me so mad. It sounds like the... Du- it's just like... Like, I'm sure he was, like, a really nice guy. But come on, dude. Come on. He was, like, also yeah. really cute and was also, like, her personal chef. And, you uh, know... <laughs> no, that's too many jobs. That's too many too jobs. Many jobs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Bessie Coleman. She's a, she's a super broad. She's amazing. Yeah. Big fan. Such guys liked her. Thanks, Sam, for bringing her in today. Yeah. I want to tell you guys that we love it when you listen. And if you want to support the show, the best thing you do is go into iTunes and leave us a glowing review or tell a friend about the show. And you can always reach out to us on Instagram at Broads You Should Know. Or you can email us at broadsyoushouldknow at gmail.com. And we'll be back next week to tell you all about another broad you should know.